0: Take the next chance. And the next time. You're all rebels, on you? Save your rebellion! Save the dream! The Bizzle! You called the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome to the second of hopefully many podcasts with my online friend who's just down the road and is an Eagles and Phillies fan like myself through thick and thin. Uh, his name is J- Jason uh, Jimbo Ritter. Uh Mr. Ritter, it's lovely to have you back. Our two and a half podcast, a two and a half hour podcast last time was great, has been praised by numerous people, both podcasters that I work with and other people. And we did the entire two and a half hours without a single break. Uh, I do this all the time, but I was very impressed by it. So welcome back. And as I welcome you back, how did you find your first sort of long form nerd podcast experience? And welcome back.
1: I thought it was really good, and thank you for having me back. Of course.
0: Anytime. Anytime. You're a BizzleCast contributor, and by the way, the rule on the BizzleCast is um, once uh, you do three, so one more, you become a co-contributor, which means nothing other than uh, prestige, and then after a couple more, you become a senior contributor. And then if you really hang out a long time Like Matty e. G and Alistair You become a contributor emeritus But that's a ways the way um, But uh, Welcome back to my uh, most recent uh, Contributor um, And we had a great podcast Very wide-ranging, man After we did an intro last time We actually talked Marvel for a while Because of the huge Marvel Star Wars, Disney bombs That have come And then we talked about DC... On TV, which was not only enlightening to me, not only confirmed what I keep hearing about how great the DC streaming service is and some of the other new shows, but then I talked to Alistair about it, who loved our podcast, and he's a huge DC guy, and so I actually knew like 5% what I was talking about with Alistair, so that was very helpful, so thank you, man.
1: Uh, No no problem, and since the last podcast, I did finish up Titans, so... uh Oh,
0: yes. Okay, guys. So here's the, here's the plan. We were sort of going all over the place last time, which by the way, man, happens on a lot of podcasts, but especially first podcasts with guests, sort of feeling it out, you know, the flow. Um, but this one, uh, we found what is the most efficient, uh, logical and obvious model, but took us a little while to get, or at least me to get to, which is we know pretty for sure the next six dc uh big screen films starting with birds of prey in february leading to aquaman 2 in december 2022 and uh, other than maybe the flash which we'll get to mr Ritter um Most of these properties have been known for a while that they're happening, even when there's been shakeups like Ben Affleck and Batman and blah, 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 blah. Um, and James Gunn joining Suicide Squad and all the new additions to Suicide Squad's amazing cast, which we'll get to. Um, but they're also relatively known properties. Birds of Prey, just to tease it, guys. And we're going to go mostly in chronological order. Birds of Prey in February. Wonder Woman 1984 next June. Which if you ever listen to the Bizzle cast, you know I'm as excited about that as Black Widow. Who I absolutely adore. I'm equally excited, if not more so, for Wonder Woman 1984. Then we get The Batman a year later in June 2021. Of course, these are all subject to change. Suicide Squad very shortly thereafter, Jason, in August of 2021. Flash, again, keeps changing directors. Has a million producers and story people, which is never a great sign. And it just says 2021. So we'll have to see about that. Maybe you have some insight. And then Aquaman 2 in 2022. And Jason, I like to brag on my podcast about my great predictions. Normally half in jest at least. Mostly having to do with me just being happy. Like, for example, the Scarlet Witch being the shit now, after I thought and hoped that she would be. It's more me being happy about stuff. But I also have to eat crow um, about the movies. And I will just tease this, even though it's the last one, to set this up. uh, Especially because you are going to know way more than me uh, on all levels about what we're about to talk about. Which is, while I initially liked the casting of Jason Momoa... Um, and thought James Wan would do a cool job with Aquaman. As it guy closer and closer to Aquaman, I was sure that the movie was not going to do well. Um, and part of my mistake was not realizing that without a Star Wars movie... Um, that particular year, last year. Over Christmas, it was only competing against Bumblebee, which is also going to come up because of the writer, Christina Hodgson, who's writing Birds of Prey, and of course, my pick for everything, um, which is also going to come up, Hanley Steinfeld, both involved in Bumblebee. And while Bumblebee did exactly how I thought, which was $500 million with very positive reviews from both fans and critics, um, I-, I should have realized that the giant, super special effects a craziness of Aquaman with no Star Wars and no major Disney properties, man would would absolutely kill it at the box office. And like Captain Marvel, in my opinion, make more money than maybe it should. But because of the release and because of a lot of factors, uh, did much better. So I just said a lot there. So guys, we're going to go through the movies really quickly. Though your response, um, we started talking about Aquaman. Your response to. My terrible prediction about Aquaman, what you thought Aquaman would do, how you felt Aquaman did financially, critically, and so forth, um, and maybe even tease Aquaman 2, even though we're going to save that for last chronologically. Go ahead on on Aquaman, Aquaman 2, and the Aquaverse or whatever the fuck they're calling it.
1: Well, I really didn't expect it to make as much as it did, because the reviews
0: were mixed. So they were they, pretty strong for a DC movie. I mean, they were way better than BVS it, and suicide squad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But you know how the people were the stuff I talked about last time and you now how, you know, that some of them were like taken aback by the visuals. They, it, it they they, they call that it would strain their eyes and stuff. So I didn't know what was
0: going to happen. That's what happened to me but. with Avatar. Um, and it's part of the reason I didn't see Aquaman. It's not that I'm hating on it and I have zero interest. I, I partially don't have a lot of interest. And I've heard only great things about James Wan as a director. And I did cool on Jason Momoa. I did actually get warmer about Amber Heard the more I saw of her and heard about her role. Um, and I actually thought they would nail the special effects, but... It was too avatar for me And it's a little hypocritical Because another movie that falls in this category That I swore I would never watch Is Valerian um, Which came out a couple years ago With Cara Delevingne um, By um, Luke Bazan of Fifth Element And Lucy uh, Fame or Infamy, depending on how you feel I swore I would never watch it But I watched a couple minutes And I think Cara Delevingne Who played the Enchantress, by the way In Suicide Squad, another can. Connection. Um, I know she wasn't super memorable in that supposedly, but she's a great young actress. She's part of the Swift squad like Haley Steinfeld. Another connection with Haley Steinfeld and Taylor Swift, which might come up if we get to Marvel and the X-Men later and her interest in being in the X-Men. And that looks like Haley Steinfeld is going to be in the Avengers. We will get to all of this what I'm saying is, I didn't think I was going to like Valerian for the same reason I didn't like Avatar, and for the same reasons i stayed away from Aquaman, which is, yes, the over-brightness hurting my retinas, but actually, Valerian has some heart to it, and while the lead male character, Valerian, played by Dane DeHaan... Is just it, almost painfully bad. Like, you know, people's worst fears about Alden um, Ehrenreich playing Han Solo that never came to light. And people ended up yeah. mostly liking him as Han Solo. Dane DeHaan yeah. went the other way. He played a poor, 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 piss poor, you know, a semi-replica of a young Han Solo. But Cara Delavigne as the badass who was actually the star of the show, saved the movie, which actually looked very beautiful and was not overly bright and colorful in... The green and blue uh, uh, shininess of Aquaman, but my 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 dude. Um, and then we'll we'll start with Birds of Prey and start going chronologically. Over a billion dollars in really good fan reception. The over overly brightness of aquaman and side note i don't think the avatar sequels if they ever happen are going to be well received and i don't like james cameron that's a different story did not bother the audience whatsoever did you talk with friends who are nerds or non-nerds either way or somewhere in the middle about aquaman like what was the reaction of people you know if you know other people who saw the movie and talked about it
1: oh yeah i talked to some people they most of them really they they love the movie so
0: yeah
1: i guess it's maybe it's the maybe it's it's the visual maybe it's because in the third act there's a giant monster that aquaman rides to fight ocean master i don't Mm -hmm. know what it is
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and uh as you know but i have to say for the listeners i'm a director guy I mean, I'm definitely a screenwriter person, but I'm primarily a director guy and an actor guy, right? And so, even though I immediately loved and thought huge things for Elizabeth Olsen after seeing Ultron a bunch of times and thinking she was definitely going to be a star... Nevertheless, seeing her in brilliant but b- dark movies that had totally unrelated, like Wind River, Ingrid Goes West, and so forth, you know, being someone who scouts actors and particularly young actresses, as you know, because um, I like to make predictions about them, and I just have a feeling about these sort of not super young, but like, you know, late teens, early 20s actresses, just have a feeling about them. Um, And so I like to scout And you know with each Elizabeth Olsen Performance I just became more and more convinced And if you guys listen to Either my uh, Endgame long full commentary For Avengers Endgame uh, which I Recommend uh, you can listen in Pieces if you want or I actually did a Quickie uh, right afterwards That was mostly pulled from that uh, Which was talking about Why I think Elizabeth Olsen with the X-Men connection now in Fox Is uh, even though Captain Marvel and Black Panther are making the money, Jason. I don't know if you agree with me that because of when you bring in Deadpool and future X-Force, which seems inevitable with Cable, Domino, and Hope, X-23, and so forth, and when you bring in, they have to reboot the X-Men, and you look at Wanda getting pushed more and more up front, and her powers getting more and more insane, getting her own TV show being a co-lead with Dr. Strange. Who, you know, Dr. Strange won, even though I didn't like it, made good money and got good reception. They didn't need to put Lizzie Olsen in it, but it's going to do way better and be way cooler with her in the multiverse of madness, which it's not a coincidence they're using the word madness with Wanda. Um, do you see what I see? Let me ask you this, uh, just because I did the Endgame commentary and then we're really going to get into the DC movies. Um, d- d- do you see what i see in elizabeth olsen not just as an actress but playing the role of the scarlet witch in a way that i think is extremely compelling and convincing a and b do you buy my theory that seems obvious to me uh that she's going to be the most important just in terms of the connectivity with bringing back the x-men uh and mutants in general back into the mcu yes I. Uh-
1: I feel that something's going to happen. She's going to do something like, uh, she's going to do something that's going to bring mutants into the MCU, like, uh, possibly during the Dr. Strange movie.
0: So, so keep in mind the order. So WandaVision goes directly into Dr. Strange. Guess what comes next? The Loki movie. Well, the lo- TV show, Look TV show. And whether it has to do with him post-stealing the Tesseract in the time loop in Endgame, or or not, it doesn't really matter, because Loki's cosmic, and we know he can travel between time and space in ways that we don't understand, the same way Scarlet Witch will be able to and Doctor Strange has already done it. And Loki likes to screw with people that he thinks he can control, and then he always fails, and his experiments like with the uh, Tesseract and Thanos go way out of his control. and And uh, and and then relatively soon after that is Hawkeye who was her father figure and as you know from the Ultron commentary was an amazing father daughter adoptive daughter relationship from the beginning that they've kept stressing and really stressed with their conversation after the death of Tony and Natasha at the end of Endgame and while I don't necessarily think she's going to be in Loki and or Hawkeye it can't be a total coincidence they must be playing with the idea but we know she's going to be in WandaVision it's going to be her show from her perspective obviously like jessica jones we know she's a co-lead in strange they said that on stage with benedict cumberbatch a comic-con and we know because she's so young and gets more and more popular more and more great in my opinion she's going to be in a lot of films uh going forward um so uh, answer the first part of my question if you don't mind which is do you find her compelling especially someone who listened um I can't remember how you phrased it, but initially you said you sort of came across me because you wanted a positive take uh, commentary on Age of Ultron, which, of course, mine is extremely positive. I love that movie, specifically because of Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye. Have you found her compelling from the beginning? Is she more compelling now? Do you just like her as a mutant character? Like, How do you feel about Elizabeth Olsen and or just the character of Wanda Maximoff in the films thus far?
1: I mean, I really loved, I really liked her in Age of Ultron, but the war, the, only, the film where she really got compelling for me was uh, Civil War. Yep, that's that's where she really got compelling for me and. And then that, from there on, she just got better.
0: Especially so. because her five-minute domestic relationship with Vision, which was very funny and weird, is exactly what they're going to be framing, the, t- the bizarre, What's I know for sure, both from what they're saying and from a semi-inside source I have, that WandaVision is going to be both funnier and weirder than we even think. Uh, and so I agree with you that Civil War set her up. It was the worst part of Civil War is that she got blamed for what happened in Africa when she was saving people. It makes zero sense. And then the American government starts blaming the Avengers, even though the Avengers are constantly cleaning up after Shield. The American government and everybody else it makes zero sense, which is why you never could sympathize with Tony, even though Robert Johnny Jr. is a great actor. And so I hated that uh, uh, the Scarlet Witch got blamed for it. But I will say she grew from that she matured and let's just put it this way she's definitely going to go crazy and do the house of m thing at some point and kill a bunch of mutants because she goes nuts but i'm glad what happened in civil war wasn't the thing that that did it if that makes sense
1: i think she's going to do the house of m thing but instead of killing she's going to bring mutants into the mcu
0: yep okay um so here we go on the dc movies unless you have anything else to add
1: and uh, now I'm just excited for the future of Marvel, that's all.
0: <laughs> yep. And we will determine after talking about these movies whether we're excited about DC on, on the big screen um, or, or to what extent. Um, so this will be interesting. I'm very interested in your reaction to these. So we're going to go mostly in order. And uh, first of all, though, to set up Birds of Prey, man, I want to cast your mind back to June of 2017. Okay. In June of 2017 was the first time I did a podcast with uh, Brick Girl from Australia, who's a giant DC fan. Batgirl's her favorite character. She got me into Babs, uh, specifically, and Batgirl in general, um, and we sort of became buddies online leading up to Wonder Woman. I was abroad until literally the day Wonder Woman came out, had an overnight flight from Europe, didn't sleep, but stayed awake so I could see a matinee on the first day back of Wonder Woman. Because I knew I was going to absolutely love it. Ended up seeing it seven times, one of my favorite movies, probably my favorite modern origin solo story, easily. I mostly dislike origin stories, even classic ones like Batman Begins and Iron Man. I just get bored at certain points. Wonder Woman was such a great new take. I love Gal Gadot. Again, dude, I'm going to be saying both my failures and right predictions. You can check the tape, Bizzlecast listeners. The day after seeing Batman v Superman, and this is no shade on people if you liked it. That's great. I never like to shit on things people love. I hated Batman v Superman. I expected to dislike it. I disliked it even more than I thought, mostly because it was also very long and drawn out and overly dark and depressing. But with 20 minutes at most, dude, of Wonder Woman on screen, I literally said after opening night, I don't need to see any more of Gal Gadot she's spectacular and if they get a great director and a great script the Wonder Woman movie is going to be off the chains and they soon got Patty Jenkins I was on board the trailers got increasingly good and by the time the Rise of the Warrior trailer came out with the Imagine Dragons song that's so classic like a month before the movie everyone was amped and you know initially had a 97% from both critics and fans it settled in at 93 which is Avengers level Um, especially for a female movie during these times man you know like The Last Jedi and stuff get crushed on Rotten Tomatoes because of all the haters nope Wonder Woman still at the top highest grossing DC movie in the United States since The Dark Knight agreed upon to be at worst good and extremely influential and by people like me to be up there maybe a half notch below Logan and Deadpool and the better you know Marvel and DC movies but in terms when you add the influentialness of it the momentousness of it and just gal gadot representing and playing wonder woman and seeming like she's diana prince in real life the way ryan reynolds seems like deadpool um and uh chris evans seems like captain america um so this is trust me this is leading to birds of prey so 2017 i was doing a podcast with brick girl okay and we were geeking out over wonder woman but she's such a batgirl fan and only a month or two before that at the time they'd announced that joss whedon was going to do the batgirl movie okay now that did not end up happening but for that that first six months when i did a lot of podcasts with brick girl and alistair from australia i was convinced that joss whedon would realize that Haley steinfeld to paraphrase Firefly was his kind of crazy that she was just the type of funny, awkward, original, weird, but relatable, lovable you know, can play drama. Great can play comedy. Great is the perfect age for a young Babs. Also the right amount of fame where she'd have recognition, but it wasn't like Jennifer Lawrence or Scarlett Johansson or someone like that. Even if they were younger, And even when Joss Whedon was fired, I immediately became convinced again, dude, and here's a connection to Birds of Prey, because the writer of, uh, was announced right after Joss Whedon left, man, they announced that the writer of Birds of Prey and hopefully a future Batgirl movie was going to be Christina hodson now why is this important well christina hodson directed two absolutely dreadful movies uh i'm sorry wrote two absolutely dreadful movies shut in in 2016 and unforgettable in 2017 that were horribly reviewed and made no money however as a young writer you take what jobs you can get so i don't hold that against her but then dude she wrote Bumblebee, or I should say, she was announced to write Bumblebee. And we already knew Haley Steinfeld was going to be attached. And while I would never say the Bumblebee script was amazing, and like most Haley Steinfeld movies, including The Edge of 17, which I love, and including Pitch Perfect 2, which I love for different reasons, Haley Steinfeld's always better than the material so far, and she elevates the material. In the case of Pitch Perfect 2 with Anna Kendrick and a great cast. In the case of Edge of Seventeen uh, with um, uh, Woody Harrelson. And in the case of Bumblebee, man, they did what I predicted and hoped they would do, which was make Bumblebee the lead and make her the co-lead, which was brilliant. And I, I – I, I, let's can we just briefly talk about Bumblebee because this leads to Christina Hudson and Birds of Prey and Batgirl, which is – was your experience of the movie, or, or just your feeling, um, that that seemed to pervade that old school Transformers fans? If even if they liked it, not loved it, were happy they finally got a Generation One loyal but like low key relatable um, Transformers movie. Uh,
1: yeah, we so I mean I was excited because that first scene the movies when they were on Cybertron reminded me so much of the uh, Transformers War for Cybertron video game which is the best Transformers game ever so
0: it was such, that- a, it was such a cock tease but I, I, I love watching Haley Steinfeld's performance so much and the movie was filmed great and looked yeah. great and Bumblebee was so compelling and how he looked and acted that it wasn't a painful cock tease. You know, some movies, they blow their load, so to speak, in the first five minutes, and it's just bad the rest of the time. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, people put the supercut of the big battle stuff in the beginning and the end online, which is totally fine. Um, I, I Let's put it this way. I thought Christina Hodgson... Um, and also should be mentioned, Travis Knight, who directed the very, 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 very acclaimed and offbeat but much-loved Kubo and the Two Strings animated movie. Travis Knight directed it, so they got rid of the horribleness of Michael Bay. They got an artsy director who people liked and respected. They got an up-and-coming writer who had already been attached to big DC movies and Christina Hudson, And the script was, you know, teenage love story But instead of a boy, it was Bumblebee. Um, And that was cool on its own. So did you see Bumblebee? What did you think about it? Um, uh, uh, And, I I mean, you know, I talk about this stuff way too much. I've already been talking too much. But in terms of the writing versus the execution, and then Haley Steinfeld and Bumblebee, uh, well, first of all, did you see it? And what did you think of all that stuff?
1: Yeah, I I saw it in theaters. I think I saw it the the day after Christmas. So I saw it in theaters and i took i took the I took Father Ritter to it, and we both loved it, so cool so uh, yep
0: it 's one of those movies where even from the trailer, you sort of know where it 's going the whole time, but it 's just such a honest to goodness feel good down home American movie, but that also finally played to nostalgia from my generation with Transformers, for the first time, Michael Bay was exploiting our nostalgia with shitty movies. This was finally playing to our nostalgia in a good way. And what a better way to do it than set it in the 80s with old school Bumblebee as an origin story for Bumblebee, but also have a young, brilliant actress like Haley Steinfeld. And let's be honest, Haley Steinfeld is 10 times Shia LaBeouf plus Megan Fox. Let's be honest. Yeah,
1: and and I think she has and I think she she's better than Wahlberg was in any of those movies too, so,
0: so my fan casting and let's start with Birds of Prey. because um, I initially so Brick Girl and I predicted there would be Birds of Prey before a Batgirl. That indeed seems to be happening because we don't have any confirmation of a Batgirl movie. There is a Batgirl in Birds of Prey, which you I want you to talk about. That's not Babs. I thought for sure the first major Batgirl had to be Babs. It's possible the first major Batgirl solo movie will be Babs. It's also possible they put her on the DC streaming service, which, based on what you and Alistair have been saying, might actually be better uh, than another PG-13 popcorn movie uh, with Batgirl, who's as complicated as Jessica Jones, for example, and could easily carry a multi-season series on, on, on television, but my casting, as I said, um, even post Joss Whedon leaving was Haley Steinfeld is that perfect combination of great actor who's hilarious, kind of can play awkward. If you see her as a pop singer, she's stunning and extremely graceful and lovely to watch, and is a wonderful personality from all accounts and everything I've seen, but she can play that awkward 17, 18, 19 year old so well. And while she's beautiful, dude, in all of her roles including pit perfect including engine 17 and including bumblebee they dress her down they don't oversexualize her and they make her look like girl next door all of those qualities describe the babs that i know and love from year one new 52 and babs of burnside uh thought about thoughts about batgirl in general and let's get into birds of prey margot robbie and, oh, my God, the teaser trailer, but we'll get there. Bat, what do you think about Batgirl it, it, in general?
1: Well, I, I think she's a very interesting character, you know.
0: Bats or Batgirl, that, that's the distinction so, I also want to make.
1: Bat, okay. Yeah, so, you know, and, and I don't have a lot of comic book history. I mean, I've read Batgirl year one, but I've known her from, like, my introduction to her was actually in Batman the Animated Series when yes they they did the two parter with her where she had to dress up as Batman and and then a pair, and then she became Batgirl by the end and try to save her father from Two Face so
0: a lot of and people- you know she has no go ahead uh, go ahead no no you go ahead okay
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that one was. That that's the one I always think of when I think of Batgirl, so
0: so a lot you know, of people always, don't know that she was introduced in the Adam West series in the sixties or whenever. Um, so, like Harley, man, who was introduced in the animated series, Batgirl, uh, as we know her today as Babs, was introduced in the live action corny but classic Adam West original Batman series. But it's very interesting. And now Harley and Batgirl are both, you know, hot properties in different ways in different times. Um, to follow this into Birds of Prey, Were you expecting Babs to be Batgirl and Birds of Prey? And do you agree or disagree with me that it's somewhat surprising they decided to go with not Babs as the first Batgirl and Birds of Prey? And then we'll talk for real about Birds of Prey proper.
1: Well, I'm I'm not surprised because right now we are in a Batless universe, as in right (laughs) now... we do not have a God
0: forbid. God help us. We do
1: not have a. We do not have an actor as Batman in a movie yet, because the last actor left.
0: So no, we do have an actor
1: now. We but at the time that I was filming, oh, oh, we oh, did oh, not. Oh right, 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 right. We did not have it. We had a batless universe. Mm-hmm. So. Why would you have Batgirl if you didn't have Batman
0: yet? Okay, so I'm going to go back on what I said pre-game, and we're going to do Birds of Prey, Batman, and Suicide Squad together. Um, So to get there, we need to briefly talk about the movie that comes before those latter two, which is Wonder Woman 1984. I only have to say this. I'll give you final word, and then we're going to talk the Batverse, if that's okay with you. That's fine. I thought Wonder Woman, forget the social achievement. Oh, this was the other thing I wanted to say, man. Oh, oh. No, go yeah, ahead. I just, I just remembered from
1: Birds of Prey also. Yeah, we. It, it, the other thing I'm really excited for in the Birds of Prey movie is our boy Ewan McGregor as Black Mask. I'm excited Yes, for
0: that. You know, we're, we're not skipping Birds of Prey. I just want to get through Wonder Woman because I have very yeah, simple but- thoughts about it so we can talk about all the Batverse if that's okay.
1: Yeah, I
0: just got real confused. No, no, yep, yep, just just, just follow me here. So Wonder Woman is second of the six announced movies, June 5th, 2020. It's funny, man, They they keep pushing back Wonder Woman, or I should say they pushed back Wonder Woman twice without saying why, but it was clearly to avoid Avengers and then Star Wars. But now it has to come one month after the Black Widow movie. And when they made the move to June 5th, 2020, they were probably thinking what most of us were thinking, uh, Jason, which was the MCU will be fine going forward, but there's no way the next movies after the two Avengers movies are going to be nearly as spectacular but you know what Natasha has become a giant fan favorite to say the least in her tragic but beautiful ending and just performance in general in the final Avengers movies and Scarlett Johansson as a giant star that both men and women old and young girls and boys all seem to like in pretty much everything she does even so-so movies she's in make money because people love watching her especially in this sort of ambiguous assassin role So, Wonder Woman is coming out four or five weeks after Black Widow, so it should be okay. But whereas I thought Black Widow movie a year or two ago would maybe make five to eight hundred million, there's no way it's not making Captain Marvel 1.1, 1.2 billion at this point, as the Avengers movies in May, in my opinion. Um, It could make Avengers money at 1.5. Spider-Man Far From Home, as a postscript to Avengers, made way more money, or somewhat more money, I think, than even they were expecting, even though it was considered a very good movie. I haven't seen it, unfortunately. I'm not a big Spidey guy. I do want to see Far From Home. Uh, And so, if Black Panther, which is so... Bizarre to most of the world, I would think, on first watching. Made more money than The Last Jedi at a billion and a half. That's Avengers money. And Captain Marvel made Civil War money at 1.1, 1.2 a Black Widow movie that will probably have appearances by at least Hawkeye and Cap and maybe other people in the Avenger spot in May. I have to think it's going to make a billion in a billion and a half. This isn't a problem for Wonder Woman doing well, man. They have to nail Wonder Woman artistically. And so my quick thoughts on this are I have three points. One, Patty Jenkins is a genius. Didn't get enough recognition, even though she got a good amount for the first one. They're now giving her full control. I know Jeff Johns and another guy are co, you know, screenwriters, but the story and the screenwriters are Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns. We knew that was going to be the case, but Patty's in charge. We know Gal even has some artistic input. Patty certainly, you know, is the main force here. If DC screws up the second Wonder Woman movie, um, and what I keep trying to get to, man, is that DC, up until now, with the female Avengers coming forward, and most of Marvel superheroes in the near future, all being women, which is another issue, not for me, but for some of America, could be an issue, but dude, in 2017, between the CW and the movies... And it it seemed like Batgirl was being fast-tracked. In Wonder Woman, DC was way ahead on the female movies. But it it was centered around Wonder Woman, exploded by Wonder Woman, loved by almost everyone. Everyone loves Gal Gadot, which is always important, like people like Ryan Reynolds so much, as well as Deadpool. If Wonder Woman 1984 fails artistically is unforgivable from Warner Brothers and DC Comics. I don't think that's going to happen. What I'm concerned about is what happened with Solo in late May, two years ago, in The Dark Phoenix this past May, which is late May, early June movies have been getting nailed negatively by Marvel and Disney movies, because Disney keeps releasing more movies earlier in the year, so you get movies like Beauty and the Beast and Captain Marvel and Black Panther coming out in February, and then you get the giant Avengers movie, and then a Star Wars movie. I don't think there's a ton coming out between Black Widow and Wonder Woman in 2020. I just wanted to point out, on the one hand, DC has been way ahead of the curve on the female movies, but they must be feeling a little pressure now with, let's be honest, dude, Black Widow The Scarlet Witch... Tessa Thompson and Natalie Portman and Thor, Kate Bishop and Hawkeye, another Heli Steinfeld connection, and a number other Captain Marvel, even Team Wakanda other than T'Challa, Shuri and his mom and so forth, and Koye, Lupita Nyong'o. I mean, Marvel is 80-90% to 90% female superhero leads going forward, which is going to make a lot of people unhappy. Disney has shown they don't care about those people, and they're going to keep being progressive, and we're going to get more cool superhero men. Don't don't worry, guys. We've got Thor around for a while. we got we got Winter Soldier and Falcon, and we're going to get some new ones. Um, so that's a roundabout way of saying my thought on this, I'll pass it to you in Wonder Woman, and then we'll deep dive Batverse, is if this fails artistically, I won't blame Patty Jenkins or Gal Gadot a bit because, just for example, they tried to nix the No Man's Land scene, we know for sure, which was the best scene in Wonder Woman, <clears throat> maybe the best uh, six minutes of a superhero movie ever, in my opinion, the No Man's Land scene in Wonder Woman 1. They tried to nix, and Patty had to fight, fight very hard for. And since then, I said, I don't trust WB to make the right call. But they've had a shake-up. They gave Jeff Johns way more power. Um, you know, they, they brought some new people in. And from all signs, it looks like Wonder Woman 1984, especially with a classic villain in Cheetah, but a non-traditional casting in Kristen uh, Wig, which I love. Wonder Woman is set up to be great. I think it's going to be better as a movie, at least more interesting than Black Widow. Black Widow will make more money, which is what I'm getting to because it's Marvel. Um, But if Wonder Woman doesn't make a ton of money, there's a lot of reasons for that. But if it fails artistically, I pretty much will be throwing in uh, the towel on DC uh, on the big screen with the caveat of the Batverse movies we're going to talk about. Sorry, that was longer than I wanted your thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984. And then we're going to do Birds of Prey, Batman and Suicide Squad, which uh, are occurring between the beginning of next year and mid 2021. Your thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984.
1: Go. Well, they kept changing release dates because it was supposed to come out in November this year, but they didn't want it to release next to Joker, so that was why they kept changing the release. That, I, I'm states.
0: telling you, I know for sure that's not the reason.
1: Well that's what they that's their official reason they wrote out, but I don't think that is,
0: but well, no, no, you're right. You know that could have been the second move. I'm saying the first move, um, which was initially, this was supposed to come out like a year and a half ago. Now, part of this was, I think, again, WB being a little sloppy and just starting to figure this out. With the DC movies, they probably realized it was going to cost more money and take way more time to film, especially because I think it's going to be in Africa with Cheetah. It's definitely going to be in a third world country as a Cold War movie in the 80s. I think Africa would be um, Central Africa would be my guess for sure, based on the comics Cheetah and so forth. That's very expensive, even if it's not Africa. They realized this was their tentpole, even more than Justice League, Superman, and Batman, in my opinion, at least for now based on the popularity and agreement that it was great and people loved it. But the first time they moved it was definitely because of fear of – a combination of Star Wars, Lion King, Aladdin, X-Men, Avengers, Black Panther, Captain Marvel and so forth. They just they can't escape, you know, a bill- Disney is putting out a billion dollar movie literally every month or two and and that's a problem, but I I think they found a nice spot putting her back in June where she belongs. Yeah, and
1: we f- we forget most I remember most people kept saying, oh, the first one, oh, there's some problems. And then that came then later.
0: That, that was, that, that always comes later. You know, people start picking in the nets, but yeah, I know what you no, mean. No, I meant
1: I before the movie came out. They were like, oh, there's some problems. I heard some people from a screen. that doesn't look too good. And then the first one went pretty well. So I'm hoping maybe this one might do good. Cause I had some friends who saw the, uh, the footage that they released at Comic-Con, was like two years ago now? Mm-hmm. Three. And, and three, three. Three. yeah. But four. I, what no, I heard, four.
0: Four. It came out in 2017, so that means Comic-Con was no, 2016. No, I'm, talking about,
1: I'm talking about the sequel. They, oh, they I'm sorry.
0: Some, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they showed some footage from the sequel. I think it was last Comic-Con, so... But what I heard from that, that footage they showed, that it's it sounds really good, so... You know, it sounds like if 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 the movies if the movie's gonna be like that footage floods, you know, they they're gonna it's gonna have people very happy and it's gonna deliver, so
0: so you know about my love for Rogue One. And, uh, any listeners out there who have listened to Eddie Bizzlecast Podcast, you know, there's a drinking game about how much I talk about Jin Cassine and Rogue One on my podcast, but it's also because I think it's a perfect genre movie, uh, in pretty much every way, from the acting to the shooting to the story to the pacing to everything about it. Uh, it becomes more and more perfect for me in every rewatching, watching but I also use it because there's a lot of instructive things about it. And one of the things, man, was there was reshoots that were very public with Rogue One, like six months before the movie. Uh, and me... Yeah. No, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I know. Everyone calls, talks about the... The dreaded reshoots. Right.
0: And me like an idiot, and I've I've eaten crow on this a thousand times, and I'm happy to keep eating crow because Rogue One's my favorite genre movie of all time, which is me like an idiot jumped on the bandwagon and said, "Up, oh, they don't want a war movie. The mouse is ruining it. Disney's ruining the movie. And that's not what happened whatsoever. I also didn't know how, at that point, how great Kathleen Kennedy was in figuring out what was going on at Lucasfilm. There's been some turbulence, man, but you have to remember there was less than three years before uh, between buying Lucasfilm in 2012 and The Force Awakens in 2015. And then they were trying to put a movie out not just every year, but was solo in some cases every six months, which is incredibly unrealistic for it, And that's why they're slowing the breaks big time on the movies and focusing on TV, which is really smart. Why do I bring this up? Well, the comparison with Wonder Woman is, the two main reasons I think people were skeptical going into Wonder Woman 1 well there were three. One not everyone saw what I saw I think what you saw, what certainly my contributors saw in Batman v Superman which was that in her 20 minutes on screen, whether you liked Batman v Superman or not, Gal Gadot was radiant, smiling, and very charismatic, and a great fighter, and can very convincing fighter. She's also Israeli, was in the Israeli army, guys, if you don't know, received more than two years of extremely difficult army training, including hand-to-hand fighting, and increasingly trained and bulked up and so forth, leading to Wonder Woman. So there was some skepticism about Gal Gadot. Uh, there was, of course just people worried about the first major female you know, superhero on screen, especially coming from DC, man, and let's be honest, split opinion about uh, BVS and Suicide Squad, which we're about to get back to. And the third was, they hadn't put out a good trailer. They put out three trailers and none of them were that good. But when they put together the origin story trailer, where we start with young Diana, and they show us basically the first third of the movie in her early evolution, with that amazing remix of the Imagined Dragon song, Rise of the Warrior... People went absolutely ballistic You know that was the first time we saw Her do the knee slide with a sword Knocking down the pillars and Running up in no man's land and we saw Them obscure I mean people were just Losing their fucking minds And well Rogue One I believe Released their amazing final trailer two months Before Wonder Woman did one month before In both cases all the Fears were allayed for the most Part to fans that okay this is at Least going to be good Uh, in my Opinion both movies uh, were absolutely great um and so that's what i think that was i had not heard that about wonder woman 2 man you can add to this or we can close on this but i I hadn't heard anything about the wonder woman 2 footage obviously i'm thrilled to hear that people are positive about it
1: yeah because it came out in comic con like a few years ago and i remember having some friends watching it like i said so it must have been last year yeah yeah it was like a I don't know, I don't really want to spoil on case he's in the movie or not. So I don't really okay. want to say, but but it is. It sounds like it's really good, and you know there is and and they are having. They do have. There's some humor in it too. So that 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 always. Oh helps. yes.
0: So you know Gal Gadot. Um, you know Saturday Night Live is a bizarre thing because. The you know the original Saturday Night Live with Bill Murray, Eddie Murphy, and so forth is hysterical, and then they had the rebirth with like Chris Farley and so forth and Mike Myers, and they keep actually having good casts, but it just gets increasingly unfunny. But occasionally they have a very charismatic actor or actress come on and kill it. One example is Scarlett Johansson who's not known for being hilarious. She's very cute and funny in the Avengers movie. She's not known for being hilarious. She's great and has been four or five times on SNL. But both Chris Pine and Gal Gadot absolutely killed it in their SNL performances and – Gal Gadot loved it so much, and they loved her so much that was the initial contact between her and Kristen Wiig. And then there was a meeting of some sort between Kristen Wiig, Gal Gadot, and um, Patty Jenkins, where they were like, "You know what? Kristen Wiig actually has dramatic chops. We've seen in Bridesmaids and other movies." But she's absolutely hysterical, but in a very uh, weird and can be very dark way, which works perfectly with the mischievous good guy, bad guy, good guy, bad guy character of Cheetah, I think. And so because of the chemistry, obviously, of Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins mixed with I know they love Kristen Wiig and vice versa – you know, it's always about the, it's like Tony and Steve, right? You've got to have great tension but great chemistry with your lead characters, good guy, bad guy, or otherwise. So that's why I'm very optimistic about it.
1: Yeah, and Christian Wigg is a good movie, is a good uh, actress, too. I agree with that. If, is a good, if you want to see a good dramatic movie with her, I would suggest some people watch The Skeleton Twins because that one's really good. Mm. All right, man. Her, her and uh, Bill
0: Hader. All right, let's get into the main course here, uh which is the bad verse. Okay, man, well as usual, the pre-script just like the post-script always ends up being longer. However, since we don't know a lot about the Flash At all And Aquaman 2 is Aquaman 2 And will probably perform well Like Aquaman 1 We really can spend the majority of the rest of the podcast On Birds of Prey, Batman, Suicide Squad As well as my concerns about Batgirl Or lack of Babs in particular uh, The Hilly, the ongoing haley Steinfeld situation Because um, I still think Even with this Kate Bishop thing That she's up for the role If they do Babs um, That's another story It's not that important yeah. In, in this particular well, thing We we'll do We'll what happens No go ahead
1: We'll see what happens Because Of uh, What was it A few weeks ago They Signed Christina Hobson To do uh, Well she's doing Back rowing And, no, and possibly no.
0: That was my whole story. My whole story was they got rid of Joss Whedon in early 2018 and immediately in 2018 signed Christina Hodson at the time to do Birds of Prey and Batgirl. Now we've got Birds of Prey coming up super soon. We don't know about a Batgirl movie, but the Hodson signing was literally uh, over a year ago. Yeah, well, I... Um and, and really quickly, just an inside the film thing that I happened to know about. So, Bumblebee had basically wrapped and was mostly produced around the time Christina Hudson was hired. Um, even though they weren't releasing it, they were way ahead of schedule. And so, sometimes what these studios do, especially with young writers and directors. Is even if they're different studios, which they are, it's Paramount and WB, they come to an arrangement because they do want to help the, their people, make them more famous and, and successful. So, like, Paramount will make a deal with WB, Well, they'll be like, okay, well we're going to show you some of the script and some of the movie. So, what I'm saying is... The chances that Warner Brothers, before confirming that Hudson would write Birds of Prey and or Batgirl, the chances that they saw and or read some of Bumblebee a little over a year ago are, I think, extremely high. Um, I hope that's the case because that's what we call due diligence in real life. Right, dude? Right.
1: And, uh, and, and as of now, she's now writing the Flash movie because of it, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's their their gal, and if she's their gal, and she was initially attached to Batgirl, and we're about to get into Batgirl, whether it's Babs or not, we're definitely going to get a Batgirl movie and or TV show at some point. Animated, live action, big screen, right? I mean, some sort of Batgirl property is for sure going to happen. Um, and... I'll leave the casting thing open if you want to talk about it. I know most people aren't interested as much as me. I will say about Helly Steinfeld. She would be amazing as Kate Bishop because we know that's the one character that's getting pushed into the movies as the new Hawkeye. Um, and Jeremy Renner has proven through multiple avengers movies captain america civil war and wind river in which he was also a father-like figure to the young elizabeth olsen just like in the avengers movies and as we see with the family scenes and linda cartellini as his wife he's great with families he's great with wives he's great with daughters i know hawkeye in the movies is nothing like the comics but people you have to write to To your actors. Black Widow is way more cold-blooded in the comics than Tasha Romanoff that we know and love, especially post-Winter Soldier. Right, man? You have to write to Scarlett Johansson, who's kind of cute and sweet, even while being mysterious and kind of dangerous. Jeremy Renner is genuinely a great guy and sort of a family man and a lover of people. Writing an older Jeremy Renner as a Lothario version of Hawkeye it wouldn't make sense with his personality and I think Joss Whedon and the Russos did the right thing with that but the point being him and Haley Steinfeld in sort of a a version of Woody Harrelson and Haley Steinfeld in the Edge of 17 as a a bizarre father figure would work great their comedy he's he's so dry she's so expressive and just hilarious so their comedy would bounce off each other great she is the she's tall (laughs) she's slim but really fit she works out like crazy which makes me think uh, she's been posting more pictures of her working out with her dad which makes me think she's training for a superhero movie which was part of all these predictions but anyways she would be great doing a bow and arrow stuff with jeremy renner however Hilly steinfeld's personality as far as i can tell at least on screen is babs i mean all this brilliant but quirky weird neurotic awkward but you know also smoothness of barbara gordon all the contradictions and the complexities of babs haley is that so that's that's the perfect fit for me just in terms of matching a great young actress with a great young uh, character but it looks f- way way almost certain that the marvel thing is going to happen and i have to say man as a fan of Haley steinfeld while I'm rooting for DC, I'm always rooting for DC, even if I don't love most of their stuff. As someone who's rooting for Heli Steinfeld and she's just getting into her early prime, you have to admit she's safer getting into the MCU right now with a long-term deal than DC. Let's just be honest.
1: Yeah, and, you know, who knows when this movie is Mm -hmm. made. Maybe she might be able to make it because we've seen actors jump from... Both at the same
0: time, Aquaman, already, so. dude. Aquaman is proof positive. Jason Momoa was okay. What I'm about to say is not acting ability, but visibility. Does that make sense in, in the mainstream? Right. Jason Momoa was basically known for one season of Game of Thrones, in which he was a barbarian, he barely talked. All the heavy lifting in the relationship was Amelia Clark. Sorry, guys, go rewatch season one. With Caldrogo Drogo and Khaleesi. Amelia Clark is doing almost all the hard work, including taming him through sex and lots of complicated issues. And of course, she's the one to take over the series. Uh, were you a Game of Thrones guys at all? This is going to be important to my question. Or have you seen Game of Thrones?
1: I've seen. Them parts of it yes
0: okay i'm sure you know that at the end of the first season momoa dies but khaleesi goes on to the end of the series sometimes as a good guy sometimes as a bad guy the mother of dragons she flies dragons she kills people but she fights for good people in the end she goes kind of crazy and spoiler alert Jon snow has to murder her while kissing her because she thinks they're in love she totally lost her mind Jon snow has to kill her I love Amelia Clark, one of the best actresses out there, killed it in Solo, killed it in the Terminator movie, killed in, you know, Khaleesi is one of the all-time classic, and we'll go down in history, as one of the all-time classic characters, maybe along with Peter Dinklage, um, as Tyrion Lannister, those two will be the ones remembered 20, 30, 40 years from now, I think, okay, but I liked Momoa. I could sense the potential. And you know his, like, a wild man routine that he does at Comic-Con where he just, it's you know, acts super manly, but in kind of a funny and endearing way?
1: Yeah, he's kind of like the drunk old uncle.
0: Right, but he's under control, which makes him kind of sexy to both men and women, let's be honest. Um, and the fact that he's, like, the biker dude, bearded southern version of Aquaman... Nobody even cared about from the beginning, especially when they saw him being hilarious and weird in Justice League, whether they liked it or not. He was very memorable in Justice League. Yeehaw! Right? Um, and But even despite all that, he was still a B2B plus celebrity at best going into the beginning of Aquaman. Amber Heard was mostly known, like Gal Gadot initially was, for being a gorgeous model and for dating Elon Musk for an extended period of time, which is interesting in and of itself. But while she is gorgeous, it was apparent, even to me who has not seen the movie, from the early trailers that not only would she boost the movie from... You know, okay to good or good to very good with her charisma, but she was going to do what most of the Star Wars and and Marvel women have been able to do with the men they're trying to tame or help, which is not be condescending about it. The way Diana is with Steve, the way Black Widow is with the various men, the way, you know, Ray is with Finn and Luke Skywalker. This is starting to make sense, you know what I'm saying? Like, Mira seemed like a strong female, you know, feminist even character that would be a co lead and boost Jason Momoa's game. They would boost each other's game. All that being said, Jason Momoa was more famous than her. When this all got started, and she ended up, from all accounts, being extremely important and good in the movie. Before I go on, agree or disagree? I agree. Like in
1: the movie, their relationship was more like Leia and Han a little bit, though. But yeah.
0: So this will tie in with my female Avengers, uh, what I'm calling cultural situation. the lack of male new male uh marvel heroes i mean they announced she hulk even miss marvel now moon knight is an amazing rated r character basically uh sort of related to the punisher but because of his jewish and holocaust past which by the way guys if you don't know i am jewish and while i was lucky to not have family die in the holocaust basically all my jewish friends had family or extended family murdered or somehow survived the holocaust uh but he also has mental illness and i have friends who suffer from this greatly and so that character in lo- addition to looking cool wearing all white and being an even more ruthless version of the punisher but he's mentally ill is going to be extremely interesting male character and of course we've the more traditional bucky and sam right but Dude, let us look at at the slate here. So we just said that Mira was at least as important as Aquaman himself, right? Or at least on par in terms of importance. Okay. Then we have The Flash, which doesn't have a date, but is being written by a woman, Christina Hodson. We've mentioned a million times. The Suicide Squad is happening for two reasons. Tell me if you agree with both of these reasons and if you have other ones, okay? Okay. This is my opinion. Suicide Squad 2 is happening because A, it made way more money than it should have. It made almost BVS money. It made almost Wonder Woman money, even though having even way worse reviews like awful, awful across the board reviews from all levels of media. Um, you know, the worst ever for DC movie by far. And somewhat mixed fan reaction. But the reality is. uh, This one I think you'll agree with. Is that way more people liked it in the theater. Than admitted it initially. And over time. People felt more and more comfortable. Or grew to really like the movie. I would hazard to say. That fans. And this is including not hardcore nerds. So the majority. I would hazard that at this point. More fans love watching Suicide Squad. Regularly than Batman v Superman. And that's the yeah, first reason it's happening. Go ahead.
1: I think it's happening that too because if I remember, I think it made more money than BBS and that's why they they wanted to make it. It more. made a
0: much higher profit margin because BBS was budgeted as a 250 to 300 million Avengers level movie. But because how complicated it got, but specifically because they got so worried about the movie, they had to market the shit out of it there were reports that they were making at most $100 million in an $850 million movie, which is not good if you're Warner Brothers. For no. I mean, Jason, do you agree with me that with Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, by far the three most important and popular superhero characters in history, way more than any Marvel character, including Captain America, Spider-Man, and the X-Men, and so forth, no, they have all of them in a movie was Zack Snyder, who DS, hardcore DC fans love. Mainstream fans have generally loved, you know, Sin City, 300, Watchmen, etc., cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't like him at all, but I totally get his aesthetic And I might come around someday, man. I used to not like Quentin Tarantino. Now I love Tarantino, so who knows? But at the moment, I respect Snyder. I feel bad for his family situation. I hope he comes back. Him and Whedon are good buddies. People forget about this. So all you people out there who are like, oh, Whedon ruined the Snyder movie, or even people who are more maybe on my side and saying, oh, Joss Whedon saved uh, the Justice League movie. Neither of those are true, guys zack snyder personally asked joss who's his friend for decades because they've both been trying to make comic book movies mr ritter um they've been the guys pushing for comic book movies along with stan lee and a couple other people all these years and zack snyder requested that joss come in and they did it hush hush at first to respect with snyder and what he was going through so guys if you like Justice League, credit both Snyder and weeden and, and also Jeff Johns and some other people. If you hated it, then blame both of them equally. Okay, I'll get off my high horse there. The point is, man, Suicide Squad made a much higher profit margin, was liked way more than initially reported by fans, and certainly reviews. I have heard n- numerous people say they love Suicide Squad. I never hear anyone but the most hardcore Zack Snyder DC fans say they love Batman v Superman. Of course they're the ones who are like, oh, you can't understand it unless you watch the four hour extended cut. Sorry, Alistair, sorry Brick Girl, I love you guys. I'm never watching the four hour extended cut of Batman v Superman. Have you seen it? I I have
1: seen the I've seen the three hour extended Or whatever it is, yeah. Yeah, it's not not that long that's that that's where the Rings. it's not
0: that bad at. actually you, re, you know the, the lord of the rings extended cuts were 30 to 40 45 minutes longer than the, the theatrical but because the two hours and 45 minutes felt like five hours the extended cut would feel like a half a day for me and while i couldn't get through 13 minutes of suicide squad i will make this promise to you right now mr ritter it's not just because you're on And this is the second reason Suicide Squad 2 is getting made. And this is the reason I'm going to make myself watch Suicide Squad 1, and I'm going to probably love Suicide Squad 2. Can you guess the number two reason why Suicide Squad 2 is being made and will probably be huge? It's much more Uh, specific, specifically a person. Because James Gunn
1: is attached to it.
0: Nope. Try again. That helps. That helps a lot and has gotten Nathan Fillion and a lot of great actors. That helps. That's like reason 2.5. But who is actually the reason and people's favorite character from Suicide Squad, who's an executive producer on all these projects, including Birds of Prey. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie as Harley is even more than the money, I think was so enjoyed and love for her spectacular performance that even i know about i've watched a bunch of like harley clips online because margot robbie is a brilliant 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 actress who's already been nominated for oscars she's australian dude flawless american accent like australians nail the american accent She's gorgeous, but she can look so many different ways. When she played Tanya Harding in I, Tanya, which she was nominated for Oscar for, by the way, guys, at age, what, like 27 or whatever. I mean, she's a huge star, only getting bigger star power contrasted to jason momoa and amber heard oh just to wrap that up man my point was if you could make amber heard and jason momoa make you a billion dollars with an underwater movie by james wan then they're actually in good shape if they keep doing this and that would make a wonder woman failure uh even more crazy i don't think that's gonna happen so the number one reason is margot robbie I mean, if it made zero dollars, OK, but it made, like I said, way more money, a way higher profit margin. People actually loved it or some, enough people loved it. And people love, 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 love Harley. So as we get into Birds of Prey, man, we have to talk about the three main Birds of Prey, the Huntress, Black Canary and Batgirl, but not Babs. But first, I oh. want you to just briefly. OK, I don't want to stop what you're about to say, so go ahead.
1: Yeah, um, never mind. (laughs) Okay, let me just finish the
0: question. It's going to make sense. I just want to hear what you think, what you thought at the time when you saw it, and what you think now with her putting in more great performances, and now as a producer on numerous DC movies... I mean, she's like a showrunner of Birds of Prey, for better or worse. Like Christina Hodson as a writer, Margot Robbie, as a producer and actress, is going to be a major, major, major part, already is, of DC on Film's future. She's going to help keep the dark but funny tone that we already got. So what was your initial response to Margot Robbie slash Harley? And uh, what do you make of just the rising star of both of them over the last few years?
1: Oh, I I thought she knocked it out of the park as Harley Quinn. I mean, she was she was the Harley Quinn I remember from like the comics and the TV shows and stuff. So started I in thought, TV
0: shows, started in the animated series. Yeah,
1: yeah, it, it felt like the animated series Harley. It felt like you know the Arkham it, City Harley. I was just gonna
0: like, say, does it feel like the Arkham games Harley, who is great but not nearly as cool as Margot Robbie? Yeah, so
1: it was a mixture of all the stuff so Mm. it felt it felt very harley to me so When,
0: when you went into the movie having seen the trailers which half the trailers were margot robbie because let's be honest she's margot robbie and she's the lead they barely even showed will smith because they just wanted to keep showing margot robbie and dude i love will smith but in 2019 it's hard to argue with that strategy yeah, it is. Kind of is. <laughs> Especially with the Ben Affleck situation, which, by the way, they already knew was going on when the Suicide Squad was being made. Because Ben Affleck, behind the scenes, before we knew it, was dissatisfied. Whatever. I don't want to talk too much about Ben Affleck. But the point being, they needed a major win from a major talent with major charisma and an awesome character. And for whatever reason, even if Suicide Squad's a terrible movie, it's an amazing Margot Robbie Harley movie, was the heart, let's put it this way, all those influences you just mentioned, of which are great, the video games, the cartoons, we've talked about how in some ways, right, the cartoons and video games are like cooler canon or whatever, um, yeah. just things that we like more, especially with Batman. So, when you first saw Harley in the in the, in the um Margot Robbie's Harley in, in the the trailers, and then in the movie, uh, was it what you were expecting? Did you like that it was what you were expecting? Did you like that it wasn't what you were expecting? Go ahead.
1: Well, when I first saw it, I was kind of the thing I r- was hoping for was that she would wear the uh, the classic costume, but we did get that in the movie like for a scene which i was happy for but you
0: know i thought her like white trash punk thing she went for in the movie was way more effective for yeah. margot robbie in the role and just the aesthetic of the film which was sort of grungy old school
1: it's just the that was the batman series serious fan in me wanting that so
0: and look let me give yeah. you another elizabeth olsen example so elizabeth olsen you know why she's the last name Olsen, right? We joked about that. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think we all know this. <laughs> and as you heard of my Ultron commentary, I had known but then forgot when the Ultron came out that she was an Olsen sister. And I kept being, well, A, she's beautiful, B, she's insanely talented, but C, she looks somehow familiar, and then, of course, immediately after my first viewing, when I was like, Elizabeth Olsen's the next big thing, I did all this research, I'm like, duh, she's an Olsen sister. Weirdly, she was not a child actress. So what appears to have happened with Elizabeth Olsen is th- it was such a traumatic experience with the Olsen twins. In fact, I think the Olsen twins now are like off the reservation, like not with their family doing crazy stuff. Um Certainly no, no career to speak of. So instead, they made Elizabeth Olsen not act... Uh, and go to college and so she didn't get her first big role so she was 23 24 so she's way more mature so what i'm saying is they needed to win with one of the best young female talents on the planet and even way more than elizabeth olsen for sure at first margot robbie by the time suicide squad came out as harley I mean, was a giant, giant victory, which was the main reason Suicide Squad 2 is happening. We are going to talk about some casting news, especially Suicide Squad. Even I am geeked out because Gunn is calling in all the favors, man. I mean, Nathan Fillion's his buddy, Rooker's his buddy. You joked that, you know, or mentioned that Rooker said he wasn't going to do it. Rooker says a lot of stuff, man. He's, he, yeah. he's like, um, uh who plays Drax uh Dave Bautista he's like Dave Bautista no filter you remember when they first fired uh James Gunn at disney immediately dave batista took to the internet where he barely was operating and just ripped disney like three times a day for six months and ended up rallying not only the people from the guardians team but like all the avengers actors and disney was like all right we screwed up come back please i love that gun is prioritizing his responsibilities That's a great sign for him as a director, but dude, that is even a better sign for Warner brothers because James Gunn could have said, screw my advance guys. I'm going with the safe bet and going back to do guardians three, regardless of what happened, but he's not doing that. And he's openly talking about how he's concentrating on suicide squad. So if I gave you a couple of reasons why one succeeded, that would be James Gunn and the people around him. The reason this is going to succeed. So we're a little out of order. I do want to talk about Birds of Prey, but while we're on Suicide Squad, because it's the most interesting to me in a way, because it's so unpredictable, um, what are your thoughts, expectations? Do you know any behind-the-scenes stuff for Suicide Squad? Like, what are you thinking? What do you know at this point? So we would be jumping around. I definitely... I mean, look, we're going to talk about the Batman, because Batman's your guy. I think I'm kind of holding off on Batman a little bit, because Batman's your guy, and we have to have a deep conversation about it and where it's at. Birds of Prey just to to tease it more now the second time, it's the most bizarre trailer that I have to hope is tongue in cheek like Deadpool and is just screwing with people. because it, if it's not, it feels nothing like Birds of Prey, and I've read Birds of Prey from five different time periods in the last 30 years, even if it's just a few issues, and I have never read or seen Birds of Prey manifested like that bizarre Harley dance party that's going on on screen. I have to think it's a Deadpool tongue-in-cheek thing. We're gonna get back to that. Suicide Squad. Other than what everyone else has heard, James Gunn, Harley... Who you know? Any, who's been added? What are your thoughts about Suicide Squad two at this point? Which is a miracle it's even happening. Let's be honest.
1: Yeah, well, I'm excited because of some of the names. I mean, I brought up the names so I can read them off. But yeah, I mean, no, we got
0: I'll tell the Ta- listeners got, I know
1: them. We got Taika Waititi. Boom! You know, for the who was in Green Lantern.
0: Well, well, Taika Waititi also voices an. Aliens in the Thor movies, the Avengers movies, and he's he's voicing IG88 in a bunch of like iconic robots and aliens who are coming back in the Mandalorian TV show. So he's an excellent voice actor and actor and director and writer. That's a huge win. Keep going. All right, and we have we got Idris Elba. Okay. Who
1: originally okay. okay, originally was supposed to replace Will Smith, but now he wants to. Be in the movies again so he's playing someone else
0: no that, that would be, that would be stupid replacing a black guy with the black guy they don't even look the same they're not from the same country or culture i i would hate that yeah it's like um, not- you know i'm sorry i have to get this off my chest because i've done star wars podcasts and I haven't mentioned this, dude. So you know how the the you know how they added Rose in the last movie. So the woman they're adding for the final Star Wars movie, Rise of Skywalker, is a young African American woman, right? Cool, Naomi Aki. She seems totally cool. The cast seems to love her. People at celebration went nuts. Her character's like, you know, riding an alien horse with like avatar style stuff, but it's also electronic and technological. It looks amazing. Her and Finn riding around. And what do people say, man? How surprising is this? Not at all. So many people are like, hey, what if that's Finn's sister and this is his reclamation of his humanity and he discovers it? I'm like, no. No. This first two major black characters in Star Wars other than Lando. Oh, and people are thinking that either Finn or Naomi Aki are related to Lando. I'm like, this is an absolute disaster that people are even having this conversation. I, I-, I don't think it's going to happen, but do you agree that it's just annoying? Like, oh yeah, we can substitute black people. It doesn't happen to white people. Sorry, I'm yeah? on my soapbox. You don't have to respond. Okay, I'm not. But um, point is, Idris Elba, Heimdall. Yeah, yeah. He might
1: be. He's going to be playing a new character, and I heard some theories and stuff. So, the rumor is that he might be playing Bronze Tiger, who was
0: played like a cosmic or Earth-based character. He's a he's a Earth-based character. So he might he high power played, level, low power level. He's like a like a brawler. Okay, I was gonna say between James Gunn with Guardians and Idris Elba as Heimdall, which I love never gets enough screen time, but is awesome I thought maybe that they would combine uh, their their cosmic experience and make them a cosmic characters, but hey, Idris Elba as a yeah, brawler, right. we haven't seen it, we've seen him as the brains on the wire, we've seen him as Heimdall as a brawler, great
1: Yeah, and orig- now originally that character was also in the uh, the CW shows at played by Michael Jai White of Uh-oh. Dark
0: Knight. Uh oh, what? I get nervous with what? anything CW adjacent at this point, other than Supergirl.
1: <laughs> no, I'm saying the I'm saying the, the character I know, was. I
0: know. Well, this is going to come up <laughs> for example because while well, I'm interested and open minded to Huntress in uh, Birds of Prey, which we're working in here, dude. Season one, episode three or four, Oliver goes on a date with Helena Bertinelli, not knowing that it's Helena Bertinelli, not knowing that it's the Huntress. She's a bad guy. She's murdering people. Her dad's a mobster. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yes, I, and, do. I do. And he and her had, I'm sorry, Katie Cassidy, and I love you, Felicity Smoke, as a character. And I am a Felicity supporter. Nevertheless, In those two episodes, Oliver and the woman who played Huntress had sexier chemistry than anything that came after that with Oliver. It's not even close. It's so sexy. She's a major DC character, arguably more famous than the Green Arrow show that she's on. They have great chemistry, and CW immediately dumps her. And I remember watching the first season, uh, watching the whole first season, thinking she was for sure coming back, and I loved the first season of Arrow, but I was like, that was the first sign where I started scratching my head. I'm like, do they really know what they're doing here? Are they just throwing shit at the wall. So um, that was adjacent CW thing. So, okay, yeah. keep going. Keep going. We still got some heavy <laughs> yeah, hitters.
1: Yeah, we got our boy. Uh, I aimed, he aims to
0: misbehave, Nathan Fillion. Okay, stop right there. Stop right there. So... They paid Harrison Ford between fifty and hundred million dollars to appear in uh, *The Force Awakens*. To, to some level, probably some of that was back end because they made so much money. Nevertheless, let's take the low end: fifty million dollars. That's more than Robert Downey Jr. makes. Okay. You know what, man? Y- you like the old school Star Wars movies, right? Of course. On 95% of all fan lists online, who is people's favorite character of all time? On Solo. I truly believe the difference between The Last Jedi that did have Leia and Luke and made $1.4 billion amidst some controversy and split opinion, yes. The difference between that and the $2 billion plus made by The Force Awakens, Harrison Ford. So I do the math. I subtract a little bit from Last Jedi because of the controversy and mixed opinion. So I'll take 200 off. That means Harrison Ford, mixed with the hype, obviously of the new movies, was worth at least two to three hundred, if not four to five hundred million dollars. His presence alone, but specifically that, despite John Boyega and Poe Dameron and Kylo Ren, who are great, nevertheless, it was Ray. Do you agree that it was Ray and Han that was what made that movie so popular?
1: Yeah, I think so. That and uh, seeing Lay it back again
0: too. So so fast forward a couple decades from the original trilogy, we've only had one science fiction show that's attempted to do a modern version, but in their own style of Han Solo that has not only worked, but made this person one of the most famous uh, modern figures in all of nerddom to the point where Uncharted, one of the most best-selling and highest-rated, and I love Uncharted, adventure video games, their hero Nathan Drake, Nathan drake looks exactly like nathan fillion and they've even done a fan movie with nathan fillion because it's so obviously a tribute to nathan fillion who played captain malcolm reynolds who because it was a show yes it was 14 episodes in a movie not as much as we wanted but we did ultimately get more character exposition than when had time for with harrison ford until force awakens and then the solo movie so what I'm saying is, I don't think Nathan Fillion is worth 500 million Han Solo dollars in terms of nerds. I think Nathan Fillion's worth 100 to 200 million on, if the movie's good with James Gunn. Honestly, dude. Honestly, just from the nerds, like me. Like, like that's what might put me over the top, like, seeing it opening weekends. And so, I hope they're paying him, like, a decent amount of money. Would you agree that he he's not Harrison Ford value, but, like, in terms of value added for this movie, other than Margot Robbie, obviously, this is clearly a giant coup for James Gunn, Suicide Squad, DC, and Warner Brothers. Your thoughts? Well, I
1: think it's good because, you know, the fans have been clamming for Nathan Fillion to do a DC movie for some time because uh, people may not know this, but for like a few years now, he's been the voice of uh, Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern, in like animated properties.
0: Alan stuff. Tudyk is now in DC. I mean, everyone's poaching the Firefly crew all the time.
1: Yeah, well, most of them has have done voice work for DC. Most of them, only like two haven't. Tudyk, about Tudyk
0: it. X doesn't he in Doom Patrol?
1: He acts, he does, he voiced Superman in an animated film
0: once, so. But in Doom Patrol, it's live action, right? Yeah, that's live action, yes. Do you see his face?
1: Yes, you see his
0: face. Right, so, that's what I'm saying, I'm. you know. Alan Tudyk was the first step, this is a much bigger step and a much bigger property.
1: Yeah, and, you know, and there are some theories, I don't agree with, uh. Kevin Smith's theory of who Fillion's going to be. I don't, sorry, but I don't think he's going to be playing Green Lantern.
0: Listen, people out there, I love Kevin Smith. He's one of the most honest, no filter guys ever. He fucking loved Rogue One as much as I did, which will endear me to him forever. Uh, and he has one of the best quotes ever. That were uh, his buddy, the, you know, it, it's called the fat, was it Fat Man Batman? Uh, thing uh with his yeah, was. With his, his buddy like he's also a little that chub yeah so he's got his buddy and is they're talking about rogue one they're going through the whole thing it's like his longest video ever he's losing his mind like the rest of us hardcore fans of the original trilogy and then his buddy the black dude brings up the vader scene and, and kevin smith starts like sweating with expectation And he says, I think some version of I would sell my mother into slavery to see that Vader scene just one more time. And it's hilarious and dark and Kevin Smith. And you know exactly what he's saying. And those of us who loved Rogue One totally agreed. However, Mr. Ritter... I think it's fair to say that if you regularly watch Kevin Smith, you should be watching for the entertainment, not the super intelligence or informedness of the opinions.
1: Yeah, I I know. I'm just saying that I don't think he's going to be playing a free lantern, but I do have some other. I have my fears of thinking of who he might play.
0: Bookmark um, Green Lantern Corps and just sort of cosmic DC for the Flash because I actually have some ideas and thoughts and feelings, uh, positive ones, about this stuff. Not necessarily, Green Lantern. This is my,
1: wait, wait. This might this might be leading, but go. I think I think Nathan Fillion. Go ahead. I think Nathan Fillion. My theory. I think he's going to be playing Captain Cold.
0: And he's already played Captain Hammer in Mr. Dr. Horrible sing-along blog by Joss Whedon, which was... Have you seen Dr. Horrible sing-along blog? Yes, I have the comic. <laughs> so, it's... This is for the fans. You know this. It's apparently a tale of an egotistical uh, evil scientist, or who's trying to be evil, played by Neil Patrick Stewart, competing uh, against neil patrick harris uh competing against a even more egotistical and in hateable supposed good guy who's all of the like if captain america has negative sides like if you take captain negative america that's captain hammer that's nathan fillion the woman between them do you know who she is felicia day felicia day and who's felicia day The most famous and influential modern female nerd in the last 10 to 15 years. It's not even close. Who discovered Felicia Day, my dude? Josh Whedon. Josh Whedon and Buffy. And they stayed in touch. And Felicia Day was trying to figure out what to do with her life in 2006-2007 and she got addicted to world of warcraft which had come out not too long ago she had a genuine addiction that she had to seek therapy for and she's like i want to do a creative project i'm addicted to world of warcraft what if i do a spoof of people who are totally socially inept shut in to play world of warcraft all day but then they meet each other in real life and all sorts of crazy and terrible hijinks ensue and that was the guild Well, the Guild went from a ghetto-ass show to an Xbox-exclusive feature for seasons 2 through 6. It was so popular, and this was when Xbox was dominating, by the way. And Joss Whedon saw the first couple seasons. Do you remember the writer's strike? Of course you do. In 2008 or so? Yes. The the Hollywood writer's strike. So Joss Whedon could not produce anything for an official Hollywood company or even a major indie company. But he saw the guild, he saw what Felicia Day was doing with the, you know, confessionals into the camera, which was sort of introduced by the office, but she took to a new level and created the, with music, excellent music, which the Weedons are all musical. I don't know if I mentioned this to you, man. Uh, both Joss and his brother Zach are alumni of my school. They were there even well before me. Um, but they're alumni from my small school, Wesleyan, in Connecticut. And in fact, I got to briefly meet Joss Whedon, like my junior year, and seen Advance of Serenity. And I hadn't seen Firefly at the time, but I'm like, oh my God, Joss Whedon in this amazing fi- science fiction movie. Like, I'm in. Um, which was, which was cool. I, obviously I'm the same Giant Joss fan. Uh, but, and he did Dr. S- Sing Along blog. But dude, the point of that is that it's two men being you know, professionally and horribly overly hyper-poisonously masculine, right? For different reasons, apparently, but because of their immature and just wrong actions, get the nicest, most innocent, most truly good human on the planet that's set up that way ends up in her death. It's both of their faults. Captain Hammer gets traumatized as Nathan Fillion... And what happens to Dr. Evil? He gets true, or not Dr. Evil, uh, Dr. Horrible. He gets truly horrible it sends him to the next level well my one woman's dead and now I'm out to take over the world so it's a spoof of comic book movies this was five years before the Avengers or four years before the Avengers he's already spoofing comic book movies and comic books in general but he's mostly spoofing hyper masculinity and dude you know Joss Whedon if was one thing we know about it he's a raging feminist even if he's got some haters that say otherwise watch anything he's ever done with his female characters and how the female actors that he's worked with talk about Joss Whedon. So, my point might have some more cast announcements. Nathan Fillion is clearly the biggest addition. It may not be trumpeted on the national news or on the top websites that aren't nerd related, but every nerd, even nerd adjacent site that I subscribe to or follow on various social media, immediately posted this on their front page. And you cannot... I mean, look at how much money Star Wars and Marvel make. Some of that's the common person, yes, but you need the base. You need the nerds to come out. Am I overstating Nathan Fillion's importance? Then I want to hear you run down if there's anyone else added. Final thoughts on Suicide Squad, and then we'll really hone in on the final section with Birds of Prey and Batman, the Batverse. Go ahead. That was a lot of questions, but you know where I'm going with it. You can answer anything.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, I'm going to just Name off a few others, and then we'll yeah. get in, into it then.
0: Yes. Exactly. So guys, I promise the- Jason we'll be talking a lot more during Batman because that's going to be an interesting narrative that we didn't fully get into about your love for Batman and what you like and if there's stuff you don't like about what you've seen and predictions and so forth. But uh, let's finish on Suicide Squad and uh, cast additions. Go ahead.
1: I'm going to name the. – I'm going to talk about some of the rest of the cast, and then from there I'm going to wh- – the Bizzle, talk about him. All right. Oh. So we have Margot Robbie back as Harley Quinn, and Jai Courtney is back as Captain Boomerang.
0: Was he uh, liked in Suicide Squad? Because so, yeah, okay,
1: yes. So, everyone fought. Yeah, yep. no. Go ahead. Everyone. Yep. Okay. Um, so we got.
0: Wait, really quick, really quick, really quick. I have to talk about Jai Courtney. So. There's three levels of movies I like that people, other people don't like in terms of the difference of likability. Here's what I mean I like Ultron way more than most people, but. Even rational nerds who don't love Ultron don't have it at the bottom of their list. Some nerds do, absolutely. But there are people like me who love Ultron. And certainly people, I know a lot of nerds who at least have it in the top, you know, five, seven to 10 of the 25 Marvel movies, which let's be honest, even a flawed Ultron is way more fun than a lot of these solo films, in my opinion. Um, and so that's the first level. The second level is The Matrix Reloaded. And a lot of people don't like or hate The Matrix Reloaded. But at least people respect that I'm super into The Matrix. I studied the philosophy like professionally. It was important to me. I think it's brilliant. And it's actually being revisited, dude. Side note, The Matrix is being revisited by transgender folks. Because both Wachowski bros are now the Wachowski sisters. They've both had sex changes um, or transgender modifications or whatever it's called. Since then, they did a show called Sense8 on Netflix that was received very well, had three seasons, and was a lot about LGBT and, and you know transgender people. And now people are starting to look at the going down the rabbit hole, and is this real, what's wrong with my brain, as their inner crisis, being transgenders who hadn't recognized they're being transgenders. That's not me. I think that's a cool idea, and it's way more complicated and interesting than I just described I just like when people revisit movies. I think people are definitely going to be revisiting Ultron. Let's be honest, man. Everyone claims they were always on the Rogue One bandwagon, but that is not the case. People liked Rogue One, but I was one of the few people who immediately loved it. And now it's almost agreed universally that it's one of the best, if not clearly the best of the new Star Wars movie, or at least the best acted and shot most professional and and, you know, clean of the new star Wars movies. And then there's Terminator Genesis, which somehow my co-contributor Simi also likes, but the problem with Terminator Genesis is it's not a great movie has amazing special effects, Arnold is actually great in it. Amelia Clark is spectacular in it, especially her daughter father weird relationship with Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator is I think way 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 more compelling and interesting than annoying twelve year old John Connor Terminator Two guys. Sorry, I know it's heresy. I don't think Terminator Two is nearly as good. And just the Anakin Skywalker thing with John Connor is just unbearable. Alan Taylor's a Game of Thrones director. He's the one that did a poor piss job on Thor the Dark World. And again, Terminator Genesis was saved for me by amazing special effects and great performances by Jason Clarke, but especially Amelia Cl- Clarke, not related, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Jai Courtney was one of the things that people who hated the movie pointed to. Um, as a major problem, so uh, it was a long way of asking you. What was your response to Jai Courtney, who looked kind of funny in Suicide Squad trailers? Uh, what was your response and people's responses? You're aware. Yeah, well, I, I I remember people saying that Captain
1: Boomerang was Jai Courtney's best role, but yeah, but I uh, I I I don't mind him. And you know, he he was still kind of young. Many- you know.
0: What? How many? Like, what would you okay? I'm gonna, hold on. I'm opening this up right now. One sec. Hold on. This is gonna be a good conversation. So, okay. Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad, and other media. God damn you, Arrowverse. Okay, Suicide Squad film. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, counting. I'm counting the good guys. Will Smith, Margot Robbie, Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flag. Good guy. Yeah, and he's also
1: back in this movie.
0: Okay. Jai Courtney. Is Captain Boomerang, which is a great name. DC always has the best names because they just go totally literal. They don't try and do, like, the Winter Soldier. It's like, he's like the Flash, so we're going to call him the Flash. It's Bats, so he's Batman. I love it. Um, Jay Hernandez as Chato Santana, El Diablo. That sounds like a bad guy. Uh,
1: He, he was a... Well, no. Captain. Kind of, yeah, uh he he's a bad guy, yes, but his character had like the was very fleshed out in the movie. So, he's like one of the he's like your wash of the movie. He
0: period. sounds like a much much cooler um Ghost Rider. Yes, pretty much. Sorry guys, it's, Ghost Rider is lame. Sorry nerds. Yeah, he's
1: kind of uh, like his design when he becomes his final form he's very he looks very mayan
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like aztec
0: okay killer croc i know is a bad guy although it's suicide squad but he's a he's a a batman villain okay i guess what i'm asking is who's on the suicide squad that are bad guys working for the good guys so margot robbie rick flag uh, captain boomerang el diablo was kev killer croc on the suicide squad yes do you
1: you need me to to break it down
0: well let me just go through the names quick Griggs he's just an officer Um, Scott Eastwood as GQ Edwards a Navy SEAL Lieutenant whatever yeah that that character didn't amount much Uh, Karen I've heard about this one Karen Fukuhara as Tatsu Katana yeah she's a major character right she is a hero, and
1: sometimes she's paired with Batman, sometimes Black Lightning. Was she in the
0: squad? I'm sorry to do this. I should have seen the movie. Was she in the squad (laughs) or was she just a good guy in the movie?
1: She was a good guy who was a friend of Rick Flags that was kind of keeping an eye on the squad.
0: So if we ignore the extremely brief, extremely transparent, and stupid super quick cameos by everyone else to remind us that they're making the MCU DC (laughs) edition, right? It appears to me that there are six to eight uh, main characters on the Suicide Squad. Yes. Okay. And, and,
1: and And there is a character who usually tests out the explosives in the back of their neck. So usually.
0: So as I mentioned, I haven't seen it I know Enchantress can be a cool character in the comics. People seem indifferent or, or so about Cara Delevingne uh, or Count Delavine, as I call her. She is a force of nature. Like I said, she's on the Swift squad. I mean, she's a senior member of the Swift squad with Haley Steinfeld and a couple people. I only mention this guys because, well, I used to hate on Taylor Swift. I've actually come to respect her, but I mostly have come to respect Taylor Swift because she has helped um, actors slash singers like Kelly Steinfeld and Carol Delavigne with their careers in seemingly selfless ways, like they really are her buddies. So if that's not true, it's still what I want to believe. And she does seem sweet, and she's maturing. And anyone who helps Helly Steinfeld in the career, I have to love their buddies. And I, I, you just could tell, Carol. De- Did you see Valerian? Uh, I don't think I
1: caught that one yet. It's on uh, it Amazon Prime permanently. Yeah, I, I
0: gotta, I gotta catch
1: it when I can. So
0: you can, gonna, you can watch it on very low volume and just watch the face work and emotiveness. Because Cara Delevingne, if you see her modeling pictures, first of all, she's extremely androgynous, not quite Ruby Rose's level, but she's consciously going for that, and she's a big LGBT supporter and so forth. Who knows? Who cares? She can do what she wants. But she always has a super intense, almost angry-looking look as she models, which I guess some models do, right? But even though she's a hard-ass and is busting Valerian's balls the whole time, it's a Princess Leia Han Solo thing where she's just trying to make him better and grow up and stop being a dummy. I mean, it's exactly Princess Leia Han Solo. Not nearly as good, but she's extremely charismatic and she is extremely, extremely watchable. Not just because she's pretty, because she's kind of skinny and androgynous and God bless her, she's beautiful. Just not normally my type of girl. But again, it's all about performance, charisma, and personality and she has that in spades in the movie so what went wrong if anything with Enchantress was it writing or was it not as bad as maybe I've heard or or just not amazing I think
1: it um, I don't mind her I think maybe it's maybe she was maybe lack of writing maybe it's some of the stuff they told her to do on this set <laughs> I don't know.
0: I mean, after only seeing her in, um, Valerian, but seeing some clips of some of her indie work online, um, I find it hard to believe that her acting would be the problem. It it might have been. I'm just saying with my limited experience with her, um... It, it it seems that writing or execution would be the problem. But again, as you guys know out there, I'm an actor centric guy, and I almost always defend the actors, maybe to a fault.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. Now, this is going to be important going to Birds of Prey. So, right. well, do we, do we have, going back to Suicide Squad 2. Do yeah, we have anything else? There's only like three more things I'm going to touch
1: on, and I think that'll be it. So, awesome. We have. The second biggest actor possibly in the movie, Peter De- Capaldi. I wonder who
0: he is going to play. How is he the second biggest actor in the movie? Oh, P- said- Peter Capaldi. Uh, I know yeah. Doctor Who fans are rabid and like to think Doctor Who is a huge property. And God bless Jodie Whitaker for taking it to a new level. But Nathan Fillion is much, much bigger and more important than Peter Capaldi, in no disrespect to that legend. But realistically, today's nerds, while they might like Doctor Who, it's mostly David Tennant in the newer, you know, younger Doctor's uh, I, I'm not trying to insult you or anyone out there. I'm just being honest. I think Nathan Fillion's a much bigger get, but it does not hurt to have Peter Capaldi. And dude, Matt Smith was supposed to be in episode nine and then apparently got removed, and people were not happy about it. So I'm not discounting the Doctor Who love out there. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. So um, I have some predictions. Go. For, uh, Give it to go. us. So. I got two predictions here, and they might be a little cold, so we'll see how it goes. Quick Uh,
0: quick request. Quick request. What? Frame them with at least a light reminiscence of – how it might relate to Suicide Squad 1 and or other movies since then, which some of our viewers might not have seen. I'll have to go into full summaries, but if it's a direct prediction from something that happened in one or something else, you know what I mean? Just give us the referentials is what I'm saying.
1: No, I'm just thinking of, like, villains who might be in it. The go. Squad. Go. So, we have, like, you know, we have a bunch of villains. Maybe some of them might get killed, might not, so... I have some rumors, kill villains, so.
0: guys. You want to separate yourself from Marvel? Go rated R and actually kill people because that's the real world, guys. Enough of yes, this so. PG thirteen. Cotton candy stuff. I'm not letting you get away with this, Marvel. Star Wars kills people all the time, definitively. They cut Snoke in half, and he fell on the ground. A a movie that children were seeing, PG-13, The Last Jedi, Rogue One, they killed all their main characters and a ton of other people. I'm not letting Marvel get away with this. DC, go hard PG-13 or rated R and kill people definitively. Don't lock them up in bubbles like the CW. God, I hate it. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Okay. So I'm thinking your Capaldi might be playing either Mister Freeze or um, another obscure DC villain, Icicle. So if you have uh, two
0: Frost characters, like him and Nathan Fillion. Do they support each other? Do they cancel each other out? Like you see fire on fire and like fantasy stuff, but ice on ice, you don't see very much.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't. Well, that one was my another prediction that was my prediction. I mean, I heard in prediction that he might be playing, um, maybe a place to break it into like a, like a top level person at like maybe mm-hmm. bell rev or something. Maybe he might be playing Hugo strange. Who was is-
0: yes. Which brings me to a point I should have made before, by the way. Um, which is, I think Nathan filling is a much bigger get casting wise. That doesn't mean that Peter Capaldi isn't going to be much more important role wise.
1: Yeah, because I'm I'm trying to think of what villains they may try to bring this because, you know, you have a suicide squad and in the comics, there has to be at least, they, they kill off at least a lot of the villains and stuff in the comics when they go on their mission. So, you know, you, you got, I think, predicting-wise, I think Taika's character is probably going to get killed off because he has a movie to direct, so he has to be killed
0: off. Oh, and guys like Taika are so quirky. They love getting killed off. I mean, actors in general love getting killed off because they get to have a dramatic death scene, usually. (laughs) Quick question about the first movie, which I will watch just for Margot Robbie and Viola Davis, by the way. I saw enough of the first one, and I goddamn love Viola Davis. American Treasure, Oscar winner. Uh, she's amazing right i mean amanda waller in cw was actually quite good but come on viola davis i mean it's whatever um it's no contest it's no contest um although i will say did you see the accountant with ben affleck john bernthal and anna kendrick yes amanda waller from the cw was in that movie was a major character she was jk simmons underling remember who he puts on the ben affleck case she was great in it and she's gorgeous
1: you can you can kind of play the comic book superhero dream game with this like which uh character from a superhero project do i know her from
0: (laughs) absolutely and sometimes you get two of your favorite actors jeremy renner and elizabeth olsen playing essentially the same relationship in a completely different role in wind river which is just amazing yeah, it's always a fun drinking game of mine. <laughs> we'll just add it to the Rogue One drinking game. Honest question about one, and then I'll let you wrap on two, and then we're talking the bat verse to end this all. So my question is: Do they go off the reservation in terms of being under control in the first movie?
1: Mm, Harley does a little bit.
0: Is it like cutting cool. a chip out of you, like or a matrix? You know, it's like it's like they they put
1: stuff in your, they put like a, a chip in your head. Mm -hmm. So it's a kind of like a tracker almost kind of, Mm -hmm. but like if, if, if you like go off the reservation, they can blow up your head.
0: So, so I have a theory that, So, you know how, like, between the Dark Knight, BVS, and the new Star Wars, really all the Star Wars movies, including some of the prequels, but definitely the original trilogy, and for sure the new Star Wars movies, and all the Batman movies, they get away with essentially rated R material in dark PG-13 movies. And my theory about this is, what is more American in terms of the films, in the history of history, than Batman or just culturally, than Batman and Star Wars, right? I mean, there's nothing really more, other than Spider-Man, there's nothing more American in terms of nerdy stuff than Star Wars and Batman. So I think they get away with it because it's so ingrained in the culture, and in general, Batman movies, whether you like them or not, the recent ones, Nolan and Snyder, Actually, are saying something mature and important the way Star Wars has morals and stuff, right? So they can get away with it. Deadpool doesn't even try and they shouldn't. Logan had to be a bloody rated R movie. Do you think the Batman angle, which I know even without seeing it was like half baked in Suicide Squad? Um, but, but they had to have Batman in it so they could go into the census and they're like, look, we know it's called Suicide Squad. We know we have a totally psycho uh, woman who could be a whore, who could be a psychopath, who is actually a brilliant but totally disturbed, screwed-by-the-joker lead character played by Bargo Robbie, a whole bunch of other psychopaths, who the good guys are threatening to kill them if they don't do the mission, and it's called Suicide Squad. And we're gonna get a PG thirteen rating. I don't know. I think they had to shove Batman and the Joker in, in there, at least in theory, just to get the the rating. Are they going for R? At, do you think? Or have you heard? I, I, I I've
1: heard that um, James Gunn is gunning for R.
0: Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he should be and. You know, he'll come back to Guardians, and Guardians is for sure not supposed to be a rated R movie, you know? Um, I'm not thrilled that Black Widow isn't going to be, but you can't argue with the logic that since she is the Avengers or Captain America movie in May next year, like, she's the tentpole Disney Marvel movie, literally, figuratively, and otherwise, in May 1st, 2020, you can't have that be a rated R movie. You can't. I mean, Scarlett Johansson has said it's at least as dark with even more fighting than the Winter Soldier. Scarlett Johansson is way too powerful and confident and far on long in her career to lie about that. Why would she? It's not like we need any more hype. People are so juiced and amped that we're at getting the Widow movie that we never never thought uh, we were gonna get. But do you agree? Like, even if Marvel was thinking R for Black Widow, which maybe they weren't. With the May Avengers spot, they had to go PG thirteen.
1: Um, they, I think they did it too because you know, um, they're trying to set this universe that now is not a universe, but different separate universes. I guess now.
0: Mhm. So. And by the way, and- I'm sorry. Really quick again, the Rogue One connection. It was important that we got Ray who girls loved 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 Ray even before the movie but especially after the movie little girls love Ray still love Ray loved Ray but it was important that we get a scrappy morally ambiguous but feisty good fighting street rat like Jen Urso after Ray who's so morally incorruptible always does the right thing always believes in people thinks she can save them that's not Felicity Jones's Jen Urso whatsoever my point being, they still want girls who are young enough and impressionable enough, without being too young, to see a character as complex, ambiguous, but brilliant as the Black Widow. I think, and so they need the PG-13 rating. That's just one of my theories. I could be totally wrong.
1: Yeah, I think that has something to do with toy sales, probably too.
0: <laughs> right. Famously, it took forever for them to get Scarlet toys, but then they started get, you know doing Wakanda toys, and even, like, minor Star Wars female and male character toys, like Paige Tico, and they're like, oh, okay, we'll finally do Black Widow toys. I can tell you, man, Disney makes mistakes, but usually they correct it. I think it's safe to say there will not be a shortage of promotion, marketing, and toys for the Black Widow come the spring. Yep. And, um, yep. Oh, and by the way, sorry. The contrast too was Wonder Woman being like Ray a little bit, and in Widow being like Jenner. So, so it works for both, and so people want to see both movies. Hopefully, I think is going to be the case. Anything else you got on Suicide Squad?
1: Um, just like two things, and I'm just going to say about like I think Taika's going to play. I think Taika's probably going to play uh, the villain Firefly
0: who's a Batman villain. I would love that. I know Firefly. I I know a decent amount of the Bat-Villains, I watched the animated series religiously. I did read some Dark Knight comics, and I'm a huge Batgirl fan, and there's a lot of crossover with Nightwing on the good guy's side, Robin, and then the bad guy. So I I know a decent amount of the Batman, which as we're about to get to when we finish Suicide Squad is one of the reasons I'm excited about the idea of the Batverse because Batman has the most and best villains of any comic book character ever, as far as I can tell. Um, But we're about to get to that. Suicide Squad.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, we got Peter Desmolschin is playing Koga Dot Man. That's uh, Kurt from the Ant Man movies.
0: Yeah, feel free to fill in some of the nerd details for me and everyone else. Yeah. yeah, and this is this is be interesting because this is
1: his second DC movie. Because I think you and me now, which his his first one was, it was he played the uh, cop in the Dark Knight that Harvey Dent was interrogating.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. He's had memorable roles. He's been in a few Christopher Nolan movies, so not surprising he's showing up because Nolan is still in the background of the ba- brain trust. Um, I think. Yep. I mean, he has been up till now. Um,
1: mm, I don't. I think he backed away from it after uh, I think BBS because he got upset about what they were doing with
0: Batman, but. You mean because Christian Bale is a bazillion times better than Ben Affleck? <laughs> in terms of performance and consistency, not in terms of potential. Um, I don't know. I, I, I know don't a know. lot of people disagree with that opinion. Yeah, I know. Uh,
1: your word's not mine. I'm not going to say either or.
0: <laughs> Can you at so. least give me a yes, no, or, or in the between? Uh,
1: I... I'm just gonna say I prefer Bale and Keaton's Batman over
0: athletes. That's all. Okay, we agree. We agree. Here, here's a trickier question, and this will get us into Batman. This is a fun one.
1: Okay. Well, I'm, I'm gonna say my oh, last sorry. one. Oh,
0: sorry. You had another one. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> That's it. Um, we have the role Peacemaker officially being played by John Cena, who was originally going to be played by uh, Dave Batista.
0: Who, by the way, I'm not a wrestling guy, but most nerds that I know are wrestling people, men and women. And so I didn't know anything about John Cena and his reputation until the Bumblebee stuff. But I will say, as an openly, like on purpose, semi-campy, you know, over-the-top bad guy who kind of turns good guy in the movie was very, very endearing. And when you add Dave Batista and you add The Rock, these wrestlers are just killing it on screen.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's very... And he's carving out a... I think he's... Him and, uh... He's taking, I think, The Rock or Batista level of trying to get into that. Because I think after... Because now he's in the... The fast and furious movies which i know some people like so you know it's interesting to see how it's going to happen i guess
0: quick political note that you don't have to respond to which is <clears throat> batista and cena also share being extremely no filter saying whatever they want and generally it seems like it's via social media very 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 progressive politics meaning dissing Trump or people around Trump regularly and so forth. The Rock, on the other hand, while everyone that has met The Rock, interacted with The Rock, worked with The Rock, been around him, met him briefly, every single person says he is a lovely, lovely, lovely human being. I've been made aware that he's actually a pretty staunch Republican. So, you know, if you're listening to the podcast at this point, you're either not a Republican like me and have trouble with the political situation, or you like the podcast enough or open-minded enough to hear this sort of stuff. So again, not trying to cast too much shade. This interesting Batista and Cena seem to be more similar in a lot of ways than the rock. But again, dude, the rocks, the rock.
1: Yeah. And can't say much against the rock because of where I went to college. I mean, The Rock was like the hometown hero. You can't talk. You can't say bad stuff against the Rock because then you should.
0: You you were a good guy. You make your life's mission to make people smile and have fun and give a lot to charity, which he does. You know, I mean, unless he's like pro locking up migrant children in camps, I don't really care about his politics. Otherwise, to be honest, I just wanted. It's just interesting because you know Cena. You know Cena and Batista. Cena, a little after Batista, you know, sort of came to my notice at similar times. And, yeah, I just, they sort of have similar personnel. Batista's totally off the, the rocker. I think Cena is more under control.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with this movie now, so.